What's up, y'all? Welcome back to 450 Wrestling, and today we're going to be recapping Monday Night Raw. Uh, what a show last night was. Uh, not the best show, uh, not the best showing from Raw I've ever seen under the Triple H uh, regime, but a lot happened, and I gotta get some stuff off my chest here on this episode of 450 Wrestling. Uh, let's start with uh, the opening uh Opening segment of the show, The New Day and the Usos. Cut a fantastic promo last night. Uh, the Usos and the New Day exchanged uh, a lot of truth, and um, it, it really it really hit hit uh, hit home for me. The New Day uh, talk about how they've had to work so hard to get over in this business, uh, being a former makeshift tag team, and now they're one of the most over acts in the company's history. Uh, and how that their uh, their record-breaking reign that the Usos are trying to break is very important to them, and they want to protect it. Uh, the Usos respond to those claim, respond to those words by saying that they've got a they've got a their own legacy to hold up to. They have to they have to deal with the pressure of the tribal chief and their family looming over them, and they have to break this record. Well, not have to. They, they, they honestly see the record as just another uh, milestone, but they also feel that they, if they break this record, they, it adds on to their legacy, and they want to be better than their ancestors, and father like Rikishi, the, the tri tribal chief for Open Reigns, they want to be uh, better than their family members to keep their legacy strong and fresh. Great, great back-and-forth promo between the, the Usos and the New Day. Of course, Riddle had to come out and ruin it, and we got a six-man tag. That's besides the point. Still a great promo between the Usos and the New Day. Uh, their match this Friday on SmackDown will probably be another banger between the two tag teams. Oof. I'm excited. I love the long-term storytelling the Usos and the New Day have had over the past, honestly, five years. Their, their whole rivalry on SmackDown, all the matches they've had. They've had matches inside Hell in a Cell. I mean, they've done everything. Can't wait to see another chapter in the story in the story of the Usos and the New Day this Friday on SmackDown. Going to be a banger, y'all. Definitely tune in this Friday to SmackDown. Uh, next, I honestly want to talk about Baron Corbin. He squashed Cedric Alexander this week on... Uh, I almost said Friday Night SmackDown <laughs> this week on Raw. Um, obviously, everyone knows that JBL is Baron Corbin's new manager, and honestly, I think this is the best thing that could have ever happened to Baron Corbin. JBL is one of the greatest true heels in wrestling history. I mean, if you look back at his old, uh, Attitude Era promos, this dude would cross lines that you can't really cross today in, uh, modern society. <laughs> but, either way, JBL is... He's he's the best of the best in terms of being a true heel. He always finds a way to stick it to the fans, make them want to hate him. Uh, Corbin, I definitely think, needs this tutelage from JBL. Corbin, no offense to Baron Corbin, but I personally believe that he doesn't really bring much to the table in terms of character. I, I think Corbin is a great wrestler for his size. He's got one of the smoothest slash cool finishers in wrestling uh, the end of days is an elite finisher i love everything about it it's very smooth you can hit it out of nowhere and it looks so cool 
I mean, every time Corbin hits the finisher, even if you don't like him, you have to give him an ooh and ah every time he hits the move because it looks so smooth. But besides his wrestling ability, which I think is good, his character work just doesn't honestly just hasn't hit uh hasn't hit hasn't really gelled with uh me over the past few years i mean he's gone through so much he went through the lone wolf which is honestly still his best uh character uh then he went to uh king corbin which he they dragged that out for two years even when king of the ring was long gone so it was kind of a work pointless gimmick uh the broke corbin which was entertaining as all heck they abandoned it after a few few weeks and then they brought in happy corbin which honestly i think is still his character right now it's just with a little tweak of jbl being oh i've got uh, all this money i'm the wrestle i'm a i'm a i'm a big time heel i'm the modern day wrestling god it's got that spin on it i personally don't think that the happy corbin gimmick is still the move for baron corbin it's just it's time for him to honestly take take his new character or role as JBL's protege a little bit more seriously. I think if uh, Triple H tweaked Corbin's character just a little bit, made it a little darker, then I think uh, people would take Corbin a little bit more seriously. But it's just when you hear that, when you hear that slot machine sound effect ring in and Corbin's running out all happy, you're just like, oh, it's happy Corbin. You're not thinking modern day wrestling god. You're thinking, oh, this is the this is the sound of a jobber coming out to get his get his anus whooped. Like, <laughs> I like the tandem of JBL and Baron Corbin, and I hope it works out because Corbin does have potential to be a top heel in the company. His character just needs to be better. I can't wait to see what Corbin and JBL do together. Maybe he'll grab the U.S. title at some point uh, and just shred through the mid card division until maybe. He, Hopefully, maybe, he'll be ready for a main event push with JBL by his side. We tried to find someone to take care of our Rhea problem. And we still haven't found that someone. Nobody likes you, that's why. That someone? She found the OC. Wait. Uh, next, we got another chapter in the OC and Judgment Day storyline. Seth came out to uh, start his U.S. Open Challenge. Finn Balor answered it. Uh, went way back with storytelling. Talked about how he had a bone to pick with Seth Rollins and how he cost him gold. And now he's going to cost him gold. Never got that match, which is unfortunate because I would love to see Seth and Finn go at it again. Maybe we'll get it down the line. Maybe for the WWE title. Uh, but AJ, anyway, comes out and... And the OC and the Judgment Day start throwing it down in the ring as the OC have now recruited Mia Yim. Mia Yim, yes, is back in the WWE and she is there to combat the Rhea Ripley problem that the OC have had. And I love it. I think Mia Yim is amazing. She can she can do basically anything you ask her to do in the wrestling ring. I mean, just look at some of her matches back in NXT in the prime days of NXT. A uh, prime example is her match with Io Shirai. They had the ladder match on an episode of NXT, and Mia Yim, I think, took a really nasty bump through a ladder that did not look good at all. That's just an example of what Mia Yim can do in the ring, and I, I like it. 
I honestly do think Mia Yim should be on SmackDown just to help that division a little bit more because I think Raw's women's division is absolutely stacked and they don't really need a, uh, a ton more talent because honestly at this point if you keep adding more talent those women are going to get left behind and uh, I do like the tandem of Mia Yim and the OC. Uh, hopefully hopefully with their next match on pay-per-view hopefully it'll be inside of uh, War Games if it's not We'll probably get another six-man tag, probably with a stipulation, except it'll be mixed. Hmm, it'll be interesting. Uh, I hope Mia Yim does get uh, better booking. She definitely got screwed in her last run with the WWE. Her whole retribution uh, run was the worst possible situation she could have been in, and she never really recovered from it. But... She's got a clean slate, a fresh, a fresh page. She can do whatever she wants now, and Triple H definitely cares about his NXT babies. So he'll find a way to, I think, put Mia Yim in some good storylines here in the future in WWE. Mia Yim's back. So excited for her. Great addition to the WWE Women's Division. Uh, speaking of the women's division, we have finally got a confirmation for War Games, and we're going to see Damage Control versus Bel Air's Team of Five. And uh, obviously, Bel Air's got two uh, people already selected, and that's Alexa Bliss and Asuka. And Damage Control have obviously Bailey, uh, Dakota Kai, and Neo Sky, but they also seem to have added a new member to the faction in Nikki Cross, who honestly I think fits very well with the group. <laughs> she, she looks good in the red and black, uh, she's the lunatic fringe of the group. Uh, I definitely think she blends in well. It is, it is funny to see the interactions between Damage Control and Nikki Cross, Dakota Kai, and Hiosuke are just like, what the hell is she doing? As Nikki Cross is just going, going around just scratching things, hitting, basically just ramming into everything, just losing her sanity. Um, but I like the dynamic. I like, I like that Nikki Cross has now joined Damage Control. Gives another, gives someone another chance to, uh, get the spotlight on her. Obviously, even though Damage Control right now is not being booked well at all. Uh, but hopefully if they do win at War Games, which I think they should, the Damage Control really needs a, a big win to get them back on track and to be looked at as the true threats to the women's division they need to win at war games in a few in a few weeks time should be uh, another really good war games match uh war games is honestly one of my favorite match stipulations that wwe has brought back it beats other structures like hell in a cell in my opinion and steel cages there's just so much more to do you're gonna see a lot uh, a lot of different spots that just look really cool in in post-production of the match but We'll get another fantastic edition of War Games for Damage Control and Bel Air's Team of Five. Can't wait to see it. I wonder what the men's War Games match will be like. Again, like I said earlier, hopefully it'll be between Judgment Day and the OC and maybe a third team of choice, maybe the Bloodline. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, next on the card, or later on in the show, we got uh, Johnny Gargano and Johnny Gargano, The Miz, and the Dexter Loomis storyline. Johnny Gargano has finally, 
finally exposed The Miz. He, in a pretty entertaining segment, uh, I'm loving Johnny Gargano getting to show off more of his comedic side. I think Johnny Gargano can be pretty funny when he's got the freedom to show off his uh, comedic side. But uh, Johnny Gargano hired a private investigator to find out what The Miz is actually doing, and he filmed Miz's confession. The Miz has been paying Dexter Loomis for the past few weeks, and then he stopped paying him. <laughs> so the whole reason Dexter Loomis is after The Miz is because The Miz stopped paying him. So there's the answer to that. The storyline, which is pretty funny at times, I do think has dragged on for a bit too long, honestly, because now, now that Loomis is just left to attack The Miz and they haven't even had their blow-off match yet, it just leaves Loomis, uh, The Miz, and now Gargano directionless. And The Miz beat Gargano in their one-on-one -on -one match this week using a foreign object. I don't know what it was. It was like the cross between a hammer and like a kendo stick. It was, it was weird, but... The Miz got the win. Honestly, I'm hoping this storyline ends very soon because it's starting to dwell and become stale. And that sucks because I, I, I did like it at the start. I think Loomis can be pretty funny. He's definitely uh, a... should be a good uh, mid-card slash comedy character. But it is time to move on and put an end to this storyline that is, again, getting stale and just should not be <laughs> going on anymore. Seth Rollins, after a failed attempt at starting his U.S. Open challenge earlier in the night, came back out, came back out, and challenged, put out the challenge again, and it was answered originally by Mustafa Ali, who again, uh, went on a tangent about, oh yeah, I'm the problem, like, I'm, I'm ready to finally accept your Open challenge, and then boom, bam, Bobby Lashley absolutely smashes Mustafa Ali. I mean, he f flung him around like you would your younger brother in the backyard playing football. <laughs> I mean, he destroyed Mustafa Ali. And Bobby Lashley decided, I am going to take your open challenge. Or you got lucky, you took my you took my gold, Brock Lesnar cost me, you're lucky. I'm going to go out there and take my title back. And we never got the match. <laughs> Bobby Lashley comes out and just absolutely beats the crap out of Seth Rollins. I mean, gives him a choke slam through the announce table. I mean, he just beat the living crap out of Seth Rollins. And never, we never got the match. Bobby Lashley gets escorted to the back. Austin Theory comes out, 
teases a cash-in, I'm thinking there's no way Austin Theory is going to be booked to cash-in on a mid-card title. A mid-card title that he's already won. There's no way Triple H is going to book Austin Theory to cash-in his Money in the Bank contract on Seth Rollins. And what do you know? Austin Theory cashes in on the United States title. And we have a match between Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. And guess what happened? Austin Theory failed his cash in, guys. What the hell was that? I love Triple H. I've loved the I've loved everything he's done since he's taken over creative control. But this is the this is arguably the first mistake he has made that has not sat well with me. And that is this cash in by Austin Theory. First off. I know Austin Theory is not going to beat Roman Reigns. That makes sense. Roman is the head of the table, literally. He is the boss in WWE. And there is no one on his level. <laughs> yes, Theory was put in a situation that he honestly shouldn't have been put in because Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's been out of touch and he put Theory in a bad position. So you can't really get mad at Austin Theory. But he is not ready. He hasn't been ready for a while. The fans absolutely despise him, which is which can be a good thing. It's, it shows that Theory can be a one of the best pure heels in, on the WWE roster, but either way, he is not ready. He is not ready for a world title run at this moment in time. So him carrying around the Money in the Bank briefcase is just a waste of time. And Triple H, honestly, I, I, I like that he's just getting it over with and getting the Money in the Bank briefcase off of Austin Theory, but he did it in the worst way possible. A few weeks ago, if you were watch, if you guys still watch NXT, I, I don't know if you do. I've stopped watching NXT because it's not what I it's not the type of brand that I used to love. But I'll tune in every once in a while. I saw that Austin Theory came out uh, about a month ago with the Money in the Bank briefcase, and he hinted at possibly cashing in on the NXT Championship, which I thought okay, it's not the WWE or Universal title, but it's a it's a main event title. It's the top title on, even though it's not the third brand like it was dest it was supposed to be. It's a it's a it's the main title on a at least a developmental brand. So Theory can be the face of a of a brand if he cashes in on the NXT title. He can still get his little main event run, even though it, it's not with the WWE title. It's with the NXT title, and the NXT title still is a very prestigious championship, and that is definitely thanks to Triple H's prime NXT. So it makes sense. But no, we don't have him cash in on the NXT title, in which I thought would have been a great swerve. Triple H decides no, he's going to cash in on a mid-card title. That Austin Theory has already won. He's already won it. That's not the point of Money in the Bank. That's not the purpose of Money in the Bank. The Money in the Bank briefcase is supposed to be a, a way for a wrestler to jump up to the main event. It's a great way to help build a new star. Austin Theory can and will be a future star in the WWE. Obviously, again, he's not ready. But at least have him cash in on a title that that makes the Bunny in the Bank contract feel important. At least go with that. Theory will be the first and probably only ever wrestler to cash in on a mid-card champion and also to lose in that match, which is just is just laughable. It's laughable. 
again, I can't blame Austin Theory. He was put in a bad situation. It's not his fault. He's got a bright future. I can't wait to see what Theory does next. But my goodness, that was not the way to carry out that cash-in Triple H. That was not the move at all. And Austin Theory's whole Money in the Bank run was just thrown away into the garbage, never to be seen again, which people will forget. But again, it's a huge waste opportunity and a huge waste of time just having Theory cash in like that and also lose. If you guys could like and subscribe to the channel, that'd be great. Comment down below what you think about uh, Austin Theory's failed cash-in, and maybe what WWE could have done differently with his Money in the Bank run. Uh, and if you could give this podcast a five-star rating as well, you guys would be legends. Uh, that's, that's about it for me. Uh, <laughs> tune in Thursday for my next recap. It'll be about AW Dynamite. Uh, I'll see y'all later. You guys take care and peace. I'm out.